Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Long time to have been living with restrictions, but those restrictions have made a huge difference. They've helped us to keep case numbers as low as possible while we continue to vaccinate people. And vaccinations continue to be so important, not just in the future, but right now. Only 4% of cases in this outbreak were people who were fully vaccinated. And of the 158 who needed hospital care, only three were fully vaccinated. But we need to keep going with both tools, our restrictions and vaccinations because with Delta, we cannot rely on just one. If we get this right, if we keep case numbers low while we vaccinate people, then it makes it easier for us to keep control of COVID while the we- The fantasy that Jacinda Ardern is having, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, that somehow they're gonna be able to control this, the fantasy in this, they're extending their lockdown in Auckland for another two weeks. The lockdowns in New Zealand are, they make Australia look, you know, free. This idea that you're going to control it? What are you, what kind of crazy are you talking about? You can't control this. You can only hope to contain it, as they say in the business. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, Tony Katz. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. It's like hearing Dr. Fauci again saying, look, I think these people are going to be able to have a very Merry Christmas. Well, Martha, I believe strongly that, it, it, particularly in the vaccinated people, if you're vaccinated and your family members are vaccinated, those who are eligible, and that is obviously very young children and not yet eligible, that you can enjoy the holidays. You can enjoy Halloween, trick-or-treating, and certainly Thanksgiving with your family and Christmas with your families. That's one of the reasons why we emphasize why it's so important to get vaccinated, not only for your own safety, for that of your family, but also for the good of the community to keep the level of infection down. When you do that, there's no reason at all why you can't enjoy the holidays in a family way, the way we've traditionally done it all along. Who was looking to Dr. Fauci for this approval? We're now in the place there's no reason to have him on your TV. There's no reason to have him on, yet they continue to do it, and you hear things like this, and you ask yourself, like rational people do, why are we asking this guy anything? Why are we asking this guy anything? Doesn't make any sense. There's no value in it whatsoever. You're going to have the Christmas that you want to have with the family that you want to have it with? The real question will be is, do you have any any gifts under the, the tree? And the answer is uh, no. No, no, that you, you, you won't. Now, I shared with you this from Pete Buttigieg, the Transportation Secretary, a little bit earlier. All right? No, that's well, Martha, I believe strongly. You go away, Dr. Fauci. We don't want any part of you. 
Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, talking about how great the holidays are going to be. What I know for sure, or, or the other holidays, what I know is that the holidays are going to be a lot better this year than they were last year. Uh, because a year ago, millions of Americans were sliding into poverty who now have jobs. And a year ago, a lot of us were uh, gathering with loved ones over a screen. It's going to be different this year because of the president's leadership, because of being able to get more and more Americans vaccinated and make that available free to uh, every American. Uh, and uh, th those are just a couple of the reasons why we can expect a much better holiday season this year. Not the people who are selling the goods, not the people who are trying to feed their families. But this goes into a line of thinking from, from Pete Buttigieg that, I, I will tell you, stunned me over the weekend. Knocked me over with a feather. And that, in today's world, is hard to do. Because we've seen all the insanity. We are in this conversation together. And we certainly know that when it comes to Pete Buttigieg, this is a man in over his head. But this new tactic is absolutely unbelievable from Pete Buttigieg. Why do we have all these issues at the ports and with trucking? Well, that's, that's because the economy is going so great. Well, certainly a lot of the challenges that we've ex been experiencing this year will continue into next year. But there are both short-term and long-term steps that we can take to do something about it. Look, uh, part of what's happening isn't just the supply side. It's the demand side. Demand is off the charts. Retail sales are through the roof. And if you think about those images of uh, ships, for example, waiting at anchor on the West Coast, you know, every one of those ships uh, is full of record amounts of goods that Americans are buying uh, because demand is up, because income is up, uh, because the president has successfully guided this economy out of the teeth of a terrifying recession. I have said to you before, and I will say it again, I think that Pete Buttigieg is a smarmy guy. I'm not arguing smart. I'm arguing that he doesn't actually have the intellect that he wants to claim. That when it comes to leadership, he doesn't have it. When it comes to actually doing the job, he doesn't have it. He didn't have the job in South Bend. That's what you hear from people in South Bend. In the overall, no one gives him A ratings. Who isn't uh, a part of the Democratic Party trying to get a job? Transportation secretary? The man knows nothing about transportation. Just like Javier Becerra knows nothing about health care. They got these jobs because this is the cosplay administration. As our social media manager, Sarah, puts it, this is the LARP cabinet. Live action role playing. Everyone's got their character and they're all fitting the bill of the character. None of them actually have a skill set to the thing at, at large, to the, to the issue. You want somebody who knows about medical to be health and human services. You want somebody who knows about transportation to run transportation. This is what you'd want. And when Buttigieg takes two months off for his paternity leave, you realize you don't even need anybody running it. Clearly, it's not, it's not something that matters to the administration. And the more I think about the two months off, the, the, the angrier I get. Because the idea that, well, he's entitled to two months is, is, is a meaningless proposition. Absolutely meaningless. And I want to share with you what he said to Jake Tapper. This is all with Jake Tapper there over there at CNN. About Tucker Carlson. 
He was asked to respond to Tucker Carlson's joke. Uh, this line right here. Pete Buttigieg has been on leave from his job since August after adopting a child paternity leave, they call it, trying to figure out how to breastfeed. No word on how that went. That's the joke made by Tucker Carlson. And I said out loud, eh. It's, it's the low-hanging fruit, that joke. It is. If, if Tucker was right in front of me, you know and I know that's the low-hanging fruit. Uh, not necessary. Not necessary. The problem is, is that you have an entire media apparatchik that focuses on that and not that the transportation secretary in these times decided to take two months off. Your job required you to be back. Because you had the time doesn't mean you should have taken the time. The complete and total lack of respect that you have for the American people and for the American worker is obscene. And so Tucker Carlson, he made fun of him. He made fun of him for taking paternity leave. And then Jake Tapper's like, what do you have to say, Pete Buttigieg? What's your response? As you might imagine, we're bottle feeding and uh, doing it at all hours of the day and night. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to apologize to Tucker Carlson or anyone else for taking care of my premature newborn infant twins. The work that we are doing is joyful, fulfilling, wonderful work. It's important work. And it's work that every American ought to be able to do when they welcome a new child into their family. Does anybody else think it weird he's calling raising children work? I mean, it is work, but that's usually not how we refer to it. It is weird. He is automatronic in that way. He doesn't come across as having any bit of, of connection to emotion. You're not apologizing to Tucker Carlson? Don't apologize to Tucker Carlson. But a lot of people have to raise kids and they go to work the next day. And they drop the kid off at childcare. They don't have two months. And you know what they're suffering from? Not being able to get the goods from the truck, from the docks, from the ports, because you have no idea how to handle these problems. You don't understand. Pete Buttigieg doesn't understand how selfish he is and how selfish he comes across. Oh, woe is me. Oh, look at me. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, my gosh, I'm working so hard raising my premature newborns. Stop. I didn't ask you to tell me about your premature newborns. I want your kids to be healthy. I want you to be healthy and happy. Same with the kids. That's it. Don't tell me about anything else. And sure as hell, don't use it as an excuse. People have to show up to work every single damn day. And they do it. And they're tired, too. Bottle feeding or breastfeeding, they're tired. And they do it. You come out there like somehow you're a special flower. You are, are too fragile. How dare you come at me with this? America has the right to be disgusted with your failure to represent them. If the job's too much for you, quit. Lots of people do. Because it turns out no matter how hard you try, sometimes you can't have it all. Sometimes you can't have it all. And maybe for the first time in Pete Buttigieg's life, he's seeing this. You want to have it all on the backs of working class Americans by the millions 
who are suffering because they can't get their products. I am not suggesting that Pete Buttigieg can wave a pen and, you know, wave a wand or, or stroke of a pen and solve this in a day. I am saying that he can do none of it if he isn't on the job. Don't tell me he was working from home unless you're willing to show me the emails and the phone logs. If he's focused on the kids, he's focused on the kids. I need him focused on the job. And so does the rest of America. He comes across as smarmy. He comes across as beyond selfish. He comes across as completely and totally disconnected. And I think that's going to lead to far worse problems. I've got more coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Jen Psaki holding her press briefing, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. And any time where she's five minutes into the press briefing and she's already talking about the big lie, oh, you you can know two things. Number one, uh, her willingness to lie from the podium is, is real. And number two, they're not talking about anything serious. I wish they would talk about serious things. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. I, I'm going to try even now and again just to bring in a little bit of it. What is it that's being said from uh, the White House press briefing? What is it that we should know where, what they're discussing? You know, because sometimes we get, like, like certain highlights, but sometimes things get said. You're like, whoa, where does, where does that come from? Let's bring it to the press briefing. The more words between Senators Manchin and Sanders have seemed to have. Uh, to mediate the war of words, uh, I would say the, the president has been in touch uh, with both senators, uh, not to mediate words, uh, but to uh, better understand uh, the path forward and what is uh, what are priorities to each of them. And he will continue to play that role. And two quick ones on policy. You know, Senator Manchin has been pretty clear about his position or opposition to a clean energy standard for a while now publicly. Um, presumably that's given your team time to try and figure out workarounds to that. Does the president still believe he can meet his emissions goals if a clean energy standard or CEPP is not in his final proposal? Well, um, President Biden has been clear uh, about what he supports. 100 percent clean power by 2035 is a goal he committed to over a year ago. As you all know, that's why I think you're asking about it, and he remains committed to it. The good news is there are a range of uh, good ideas and proposals out there from uh, members of Congress about how this legislation can help meet that goal. Uh, and there's no question in our minds, there's important uh, lit debating right now happening about what the components of the climate uh, proposals will be in these packages, that this, these packages will have a historic impact on addressing our climate crisis. I'd also note, can I say one more thing? I'd also note that... I don't want to hear it. I love how she is talking about climate as a crisis, but yet the border is not. She will always address climate as crisis, but does not address the border as a crisis. We should note the border is a crisis. It doesn't matter that it doesn't come up here. It doesn't matter that Jen Psaki doesn't bring this up. Without question, a crisis. And she refuses to, to do anything in terms of honestly addressing it. Then again, neither does the, the administration, right? The border is not a crisis. Uh, they're, they're working hard at it. They're unwinding everything that the Trump administration did. 
I mean, that's constantly the, the conversation. The radicalness of the talking point. Here's a talking point. Amy Walter from the Cook Political Report saying that Democrats are fully aware that things are super duper duperly bad. And so I think they're sort of missing out on the things that do really energize Democrats in the one on the one hand. And then the other is everything you just talked about, which is there's just a sluggishness in the economy, in the optimism that that he's also the president and Democrats aren't delivering on the sort of bread and butter that they were hoping they would. But we just heard from Pete Buttigieg talking about how great the economy is. So now is Amy Walter a liar? And what about the whole idea of build back better? I don't know that Democratic voters are particularly excited about Build Back Better or an infrastructure bill. Don't you see I all the individual were... polling that they <laughs> I tell you that? I'm sorry. I, I just might be I know it. Just because something polls well doesn't, doesn't mean, mean it's that it's salient. It's not right. salient. No one's excited about this administration. And so when we talk about Pete Buttigieg lying through his teeth about the economy and about where uh, where we are as a, as a nation, about where things are in regards to shipping and, and trucking and the supply chain. He knows he's lying and he doesn't care. And that's why I have such unbelievable disdain for the man. Because he cannot be trusted. This is a time for absolute honesty and it requires everybody to solve the problem. Sorry, unions, you're not going to get your way anymore. Disincentivizing work doesn't work. And this is a great moment for for the, the socialists who make these kinds of policies from the faculty lounge to realize their failures. But they never realize their failures, do they? They go, hmm, well, that didn't seem to work as well as we wanted to. You know what we'll need to do? Spend more money. We'll have to raise taxes. That's going. That'll do. We see the Republicans kept us from raising the money we needed to. <laughs> well, we'll have to change that. This is a great case study about how it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Pete Buttigieg should not be trusted. He's proven that he can't be. Proven it. And no, Democrats are not enthralled with anything they see, and that's why these things haven't passed. America's not down with $3.5 trillion worth of infrastructure that has nothing to do with infrastructure. John Stewart and Barry Weiss, two very interesting stories that have some interesting overlap. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. So it's two stories, both of which have incredible value culturally. And you know I'm a believer that culture is everything. And that to ignore culture is at one's own peril. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The podcasts are there. Everything else. You can also uh, check out EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. And that is the Eat Drink Smoke podcast, which is growing huge because of you. It is bourbon and cigars and some good times and a nice little bit of escape. Culture. 
matters greatly. And so I thought that this take from, from John Stewart was just backwards. I mean, lost was this take, and I, I, I was surprised by it. Now, I will tell you that when it comes to John Stewart, like, uh, like Bill Maher, I have handled them wrong in my past. Because, it's, and I would say this more with Bill Maher than John Stewart, that I would disagree with them is inconsequential. But what's the value of disagreeing with somebody if you're going to do it with screaming and yelling and total insanity? Can't you just disagree with them? Do I need to scream and yell and have total insanity? No. It's valueless. It's pointless. It's worthless. I can simply disagree with them. That, that's that's. All I have to do, nothing more and nothing less. So with John Stewart, who I think has a mind, I disagree with him. Because John Stewart was on with uh, Jake Tapper, CNN, and made a irrational point regarding culture and pronouns. Is probably a bigger problem. And so everybody wants to talk about, like that question you said about gender neutral, I can't remember what you said, gender neutral. Sections and toys, toy stores. It's a, it's a law that the governor just passed in, and signed into right. law. But honestly, like that. You understand that he's talking about California. He's talking about California where you now have to have gender neutral displays for toys and toothbrushes. Now, Jake, not Jake Tapper, uh, John Stewart's take on this is, um, well, pretty interesting. And what's pretty interesting about the take is that it's not, it's, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly incomplete. I was surprised at, at at John Stewart for for not understanding the situation a little bit better. Let's let's start from the beginning. It's probably a bigger problem. And so everybody wants to talk about like that question you said about gender neutral, I can't remember what you said, gender neutral sections and toys toy stores. It's a it's a law that the governor just passed and and signed into right. law. But honestly, like that law, like who gives you, do you know what I mean? Like, in terms of the importance of the running of California, yeah, it's a law. Who's it really going to impact? It reminds me of, you know, somebody said to me, they were upset the other day. That it, things had gotten so out of hand. Demi Lovato wanted to be referred to as they. That was the pronoun that Demi Lovato wanted to use. And, and this person went, uh, you know, this is just, it's out of hand. And I said, well, I've, I've got really good news for you then. You don't know Demi Lovato. <laughs> so you're never going to have to really be in this situation. And whatever pronoun you use in conversation, she will be fine because you don't know Demi Lovato. And if you ever did meet Demi Lovato and you used the wrong pronoun, I'm sure Demi Lovato would be like, oh, oh I'm sorry, I prefer this. And, and then it would be good done. It wouldn't be done. There's a lot missing here. And I was, I was surprised that John Stewart didn't realize there's a lot missing here. First, you know what they call uh, misutilizing a pronoun? Uh, they consider that violent. They consider that violence. They consider that something that should be criminal. 
So no, it's not a, oh, I'm sorry, I don't use that pronoun. It is considered an assault. John Stewart doesn't know that? John Stewart is acting like this is all rational and that people will act rationally. First of all, people are referring to themselves as they. So none of this is rational. Secondly, the response to you not utilizing a proper pronoun is one of force. John Stewart's unaware of this. John, you may have been a celebrity just a bit too long. But let's go back to the original point. You now have to set up these these displays, and they have to be gender neutral. And you're never going to meet Demi Lovato, so it doesn't matter what pronoun you use. Um, tell that to your kids. Because your kids are watching Demi Lovato, and your kids are listening to Demi Lovato, and then they get into their head, they can use whatever pronoun they want, or they can change uh, their name this, or or all of a sudden uh, they, they realize, no, wait, I'm a boy and not a girl, or I'm a girl and not a boy, and oh, wait, this is an affront, and how dare you, Mom and Dad, for buying this? And John Stewart is making a statement that, hey, guys, this would all be better if you'd just leave me alone, which... I love that statement. I think part of the problem with society is that we care too much. There's too much caring going on. There is. We spend too much time caring what the other person thinks, caring what the other person is saying, caring how the other person is reacting to our reacting so we can react in a way that tells them off. It's ridiculous. But to not note what's being said on social media and through these platforms to our kids who then absorb this, it does matter greatly. And for for John to say otherwise, the comic and television host that he is, is wrong. John Stewart is wrong. And I was, I got to admit, I was surprised because I, I, I'm going to use the expression improperly. Um, he's smarter than that. And he then went on to have a conversation about the very concept of media and de-escalation. But in the media, that story is ubiquitous. And it's, I think the media does a terrible job at de-escalation. Yeah. And de-escalation is the antidote to all this nonsense. And I don't mean civility, and I don't mean nonpartisanship. I mean, focusing on things that are more urgent and elemental in people's lives and really hammering away at those things rather than purely the emotional fault lines that occur in societies. These things do matter, though. And I won't disagree that media escalates things and, and, and lights things on fire. Because if it bleeds, it leads. This is standard operating procedure. But he's dismissing something that is important. And the effect culture has on our lives. The effect that culture has on our kids. That it does matter. And it matters greatly. This brings us to Barry Weiss. Barry Weiss, formerly of uh, the, the, the New York Times, now writes uh, for her own substack, has been very focused on conversations of critical race theory, and is invited on to Brian Stelter's show. I was 
amazed that Brian Stelter over there at Reliable Sources, not so reliable, uh, would, would have this conversation. I was, I was stunned. But okay, good on him. And, and it is Barry Weiss engaged in the conversation, uh, you know, when uh, she's talking about people trying to stop the conversation. And Brian Stelter's like, who is this? Who is it who's trying to stop the conversation? What conversation are they trying uh, to, to, to stop? And Barry Weiss goes about explaining where the madness is. Well, you know, when you have the chief reporter on the beat of COVID for the New York Times talking about how questioning or pursuing the question of the lab leak is racist, the world has gone mad. When you're not able to say out loud and in public that there are differences between men and women, the world has gone mad. When we're not allowed to acknowledge that rioting is rioting and it is bad, and that silence is not violence, but violence is violence, the world has gone mad. When we're not able to say that Hunter Biden's laptop is a story worth pursuing, the world has gone mad. When in the name of progress, young school children, as young as kindergarten, are being separated in public schools because of their race and that is called progress rather than segregation the world has gone mad did she say something that a rational mind would disagree with it's amazing what in in the name of woke is allowed to pass that under any other name would be pure on bigotry and especially that last one about separating students into black and white and somehow thinking that that's okay it's, and this whole idea of safe space is exactly the same thing. So she's having this conversation. And, and, and Brian Stelter, who again brought her on, decides to engage the interjection. Are being separated in public schools because of their race. And that is called progress rather than segregation. The world has gone mad. There hmm. are dozens of examples that I could share with with you and with and your you viewers. And you often say you say allowed. Everyone sort of knows this, and you say we're not allowed. We're not able. Between. Who's the people stopping the conversation? Who are they? Um, people that work at networks, <laughs> frankly, like the one I'm speaking on right now, who try and claim that. You know, it was it was racist to investigate the lab leak theory. It was. But I mean, who let's said just that take an CNN. But I'm just saying that when you say allowed, I just think it's a provocative thing you say. You say you say we're not allowed to talk about these things, but they're all over the internet. Well, what, I can Google them. I can Brian, find them everywhere. I've heard about every story you mentioned. So I'm just suggesting, of course, people are allowed to cover whatever they want to cover. But you and I both know, and it would be delusional to claim otherwise, that touching your finger to an increasing number of subjects that have been deemed third rail by the mm. mainstream institutions and increasingly by some of the tech companies will lead to reputational damage, perhaps you losing your job, um, your children sometimes being demonized as well. And so what happens is a kind of internal self-censorship. This mm. is something that I saw over and over again when I was at the New York Times. That internal self-censorship is something that actually exists standard. And it should. You should always be somebody look at, listening to yourself and say, okay, is that the thing I want to say? Is that the way I want to say it? But the internal self-censorship is based about on how you want to present a subject and, and how you want to be represented. If you should slip, if it should come out improperly, if it, somebody doesn't like it, 
It shouldn't lead to you losing your job or getting vilified or physically attacked or your children being demonized or anything else. We're now engaged in a self-censorship to ensure that the powers that be, Google and Facebook, think it's acceptable as opposed to an engagement of, of, of free speech. I thought Brian Stelter's interjection there was to somehow uh, pretend that these things aren't happening and then not to understand CNN's own complicitness. Complicity? Complicity? Complicitness? Complicity. Com- nah, I don't. Is it complicity? It is. It is? Huh. Yes. They don't know they're at fault? They don't know that they've contributed to this, added to this, and again, it, 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 it happens all the time that they never recognize their part in it. They never recognize that they have created this. And that's so much of the problem. How do you expect these things to get better if you don't recognize your part in it? I applaud the conversation taking place on TV. I do, but it shouldn't be of, of a defensive. And the things that Barry Weiss is addressing are all these cultural things. And here is one of the cultural movers, the television network, not specifically Brian Stelter, but the network claiming wasn't me. Until they own up to their complicitness, complicity in the events, in the lies, In the destruction of people through culture, well, then, my gosh, how are they ever going to try and help make it better? And it's going to rely on us pushing them aside. But yet people still listen to them and buy into it. So we are forced to engage the response to things that are simply false into an ideology that provides us no value. Just like we are with Demi Lovato, who can live her life any way she sees fit. But John Stewart is wrong to think you can just brush it aside as if it doesn't impact your life. It's culture. It impacts your life in ways you cannot even recognize. And you have to recognize them, especially when your kids or your friends are involved. I'm Tony Katz. Just a note about China's hypersonic missile technology, which seems to have caught the U.S. military by surprise. I'm not so sure that it caught the U.S. military by surprise. I am not 100% convinced of this. Tony Katz, great to be with you guys. There was a launch on Saturday. China now has hypersonic missile capability. At least they made it public nuclear hypersonic capability. This allows it to fly at a lower trajectory and is maneuverable, making it much harder to hit, much easier for it to hit its target. In its test, it supposedly missed its target by 24 miles, which is, yeah, I think it was like 24 miles, something like that. And America was not ready for it. If I was or if I wasn't, I don't know how I would, you know, what is the response that you give to keep China off base. And it also should be understood that this isn't technology that we don't have. We do not let loose every bit of technology that we have. What is important here is to understand that China is making its moves. 
And these moves are moves meant to create one China. Moves meant to engage power. Moves meant to supplant the United States from leader of the free world. Moves to build a bigger Xi Jinping. That's what all this is about. You cannot think for a second you can contain China's aspirations. What you can do is eliminate a lot of their economics. And remember that it is a national security imperative to stop supporting them. Communists can't be trusted, and what they are after is domination. These are the facts. And I'm not so sure either party fully understands what's necessary. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.